It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. everybody, welcome back in. It is hour number three on a Saturday night. Beeson Betson are here from our Circus Sports Studios in downtown Las Vegas. Back with Greg Peterson. I'm Ben Wilson. Thanks to our whole team behind the glass. Matt Neverett, our producer tonight with a lot going on. NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, full MLB slate, big golf tournament as well. And the Charles Schwab with the third round has wrapped up. And we've got the big Indy 500 race coming tomorrow. Our correspondent, Wes Reynolds. I know he's uh, having a great time hanging out back in his home state. So, a lot to get to, Greg. Right now, we'll start with the, the biggest game of any sport on the card, and that is Philadelphia-Washington as the Sixers try to basically put the series on ice, up 2-0 in the series. Joel Embiid doing his part. He just hits a three from the top of the key to make it an eight-point Philadelphia lead, a team in Philadelphia that has only covered one of the two wins so far. Seven-and-a-half-point favorites in game one, and they won by seven. Blowout win in game two after Russell Westbrook exited with a twisted ankle, but Westbrook back in, he's looked decently effective after a slow start in this one, putting up at least to this point in this game, 10 points, 11 as well for Bradley Beal. And right now, Greg, 54-46 Sixers, five and a half to go in the second quarter with Philadelphia now live, nine and a half point favorite after going off, laying five tonight. Embiid with 16 points already, and we're midway through the second quarter. He has had himself one heck of a game. 
to your point, Russell Westbrook, after he had a little bit of a rough go of it to begin this game, he's been able to come out. He's looked relatively solid, but the Wizards right now, 3 of 14 from three-point range, as I think that Westbrook just threw up there, a very right, ugly brick. Right so, as you said that, Right Westbrook, as I give him a little bit of a compliment, he winds up doing that. Westbrook from 30 feet <laughs> off the side of the backboard. That yeah. is the way that it always goes with Russell Westbrook when you comment <laughs> live on one of his games, but certainly I think that the 76ers just the better team in this spot. I would not be surprised if they're able to cover this game. And then, as you know, if you wind up getting a series at 3-0, to zero, the team that's down 3-0, to zero, well, their success rate is currently zero in those spots. And I do like the way that Ben Simmons has looked so far as well. Six assists already in the early going from, so he's getting the other guys involved. You have a better chance of winning outright as a 16 seed in the NCAA tournament than you do of winning an NBA series down 3 nothing. That is, yeah, that is bad. Kind of amazing when you when you put it like that. You 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 appreciate that, Greg, our college hoops insider. Absolutely. And I can say that thanks to the retrievers of Maryland, Baltimore County. Thank you, UMBC, for giving us those types of stats to throw out. Hey, Washington <laughs> is from n- near the University of Maryland, uh, yeah, Baltimore County, sure. so you never know. Okay. Well, a, a nice play and transition by Bradley Beal, who, by the way, does look pretty solid uh, despite dealing with nagging injuries of his own. Six point game right now. Danny Green, though, with a triple. So, again, Philadelphia has continued to maintain a pretty consistent lead in Zero that 5 to, uh, from the West. Yeah, 5 to 10 point range. Looking good as well on the over. This one closes 229.5. Your live total sitting way up at 243.5, thanks to the, uh, the onslaught of points in this second quarter. We also have NHL playoffs going right now. Greg and I going uh, head to head on this game with Toronto, at least our thoughts on this game with Toronto and Montreal. Maple Leafs trying to close out the Habs in game six tonight. In Montreal, and it's a nothing-nothing game, a, a tight start so far. Carey Price stood on his head in Game 1. He's trying to do the same thing tonight, just over halfway through the first period. And nothing-nothing in a game that uh, here closes about a... It was uh, Toronto minus $2 as a favorite total in the 5.5 range with some juice uh, to the under. And they're about to drop the puck in Boston. Game 1 of that second-round series in the NHL. Islanders and Bruins... To this point, has uh, you know, look at the the money, how it's come in there, and uh, been pretty consistent with Boston seeing a lot of action up to 185. Although you know, some late buyback on the Islanders, 185. This will go off at on the Boston side with New York coming back plus 165. If you want to lay the puck line with the Bruins, you can get as high as plus 165 in the market. Total at either five juice to the over or five and a half with heavy juice uh, to the under. So that's where we stand right now on our current games in uh, in progress, Greg. And it should be a, a fun match, a fun fun game. I, I kind of like the, the under in that game we were talking about earlier. So we'll see if, if that can just follow the same formula as Toronto-Montreal. We'll be in good shape. And I think that with Toronto versus Montreal, we could see another under in this game as well because the overtime game we wound up seeing a couple days ago for the Canadians, first time this month that they had been able to score four goals in a game. Uh, it is the 29th day of the month in case you were... Yeah. <laughs> now it gets May 2nd, okay? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good nugget as we look at uh, all the NHL action. And we welcome you into VEASAN Bet Center on a Saturday night, keeping track of all the NBA, NHL playoff action, as well as a full MLB card right now, along with Greg Peterson. I'm Ben Wilson. There's a lot of attention we're paying on these playoff games, but also, Greg, some carnage on the MLB Diamonds. Ooh, Catch us yeah. up on what is happening in Houston where... This game started, I guess, somewhat controversially because Houston 
put in Jake Odorizzi into the starting lineup, a guy who had been horrific, a ERA in the double digits before going on the I.L. They kicked Christian Javier, who had been really good for them, out of the starting rotation in favor of Odorizzi tonight. Seemed, though, to work out for Houston as they jumped out to a 6-1 lead. And then what happened? <laughs> and then going into the eighth inning, you've got the Astros with a 6-1 lead and Fernando Tatis Jr. in the ninth inning, three-run homer off of Ryan Presley to tie the game, and you wound up having a pair of runs scored in the ace. So we currently sit 6-6. Six to six. Keep in mind, this is an Astros team that it looked like they were going to be able to win the game yesterday as well. They had the bases loaded in the 10th inning. Jose Altuve flies out, and then the Padres put up a touchdown in the 11th inning, and then from there, you have all calamity breakout. And if you're betting full games in baseball, I cannot stress how important it is that you take a look at the bullpens because with the San Diego Padres, they have used their bullpen for the most innings of any team in the National League, and yet they've got the best bullpen ERA by far of any team out there in the National League. Meanwhile, for the Houston Astros, it feels like Brooks Raley and Brian Presley pitch in every single game. Both guys wind up coming out in this one. They have pitched a combined two innings, giving up three runs. So... It has not necessarily been going well for the Houston Astros with regards to the bullpen. We saw that on display yesterday. Now, they were able to hold up, and then when you get to extra innings, you wind up getting to extra innings, and you sort of get what you get there. But with the San Diego Padres team, just have to be thoroughly impressed by them. They enter into this game with the best record in the National League, and if they're able to somehow, someway pull this out because the Astros currently up in the ninth inning with a man on first, it would really just cement the fact that we've got to be talking about the Padres perhaps in the same vein as the L.A. Dodgers because while the Padres might not have quite as much firepower when it comes to the star players as the Los Angeles Dodgers, what they have is depth. And they've got a bunch of guys that are able to come out of the bullpen and they are able to blow you away. And it's something that I feel like we've beaten this uh, you know, like a dead horse, but we're here May 29th. I have not made a full game MLB bet yet this year. And for the reasons you just laid out, it's exactly why. All my bets have been first five. Mm-hmm. I just don't, I don't want to deal with it. I do not want to have to deal with a game last night where it's basically 3-3 going into extra innings. It should have been fairly comfortably under the total. You get seven, a seven spot, and you know, you're know you expecting that with the runner on second in these extra innings games, you should at least get one run. That's kind of the expectation at this point. So that gets blown up last night. We're about to see that we just had the same thing happen tonight, 6-1. And it, kind of a, a tough luck there if you if you like getting some value with Odorizzi coming off the I.L. Kind of a would have been a risky bet for sure. A lot of money came in as a result on San Diego. They were bet up from a minus about 140 favorite up to $1.55 at close. And uh, this total, though, of eight, as, as we're talking about it, it's going, at, going to go over. Joe Smith was the other one who gave up, gave up uh, runs for Houston. And amazingly... This is a Padre team. Not only have they been so good recently, and they've somehow been able to weather the storm of a bunch of injuries, and Fernando Tatis has somehow avoided a complete disaster, and he's he's looked really, really good despite that nagging shoulder injury. And I, I guess it's more than nagging. I mean, you, you separate your shoulder in the first week of the season, and you barely miss any time. Held up pretty well to this point, but the point, the, the point I've looked at, though, with San Diego, this will now be their fourth consecutive if they can get through the bottom of the ninth. Fourth consecutive extra inning game for San Diego. And that, yet their pitching is still in a pretty good spot, as you just as you just alluded to. And it's not like they're getting tons of length out of their starters either. With Blake Snell, the six innings that he oh, wanted providing against so the Colorado Rockies, it was the first time he had went six full innings since July of 2019, back when he was a 
Ray against the Chicago White Sox. So he's a guy that doesn't offer you a lot of length. Hugh Darvish today, he only winds up giving you five innings. The Padres have been treating Ryan Weathers with kick gloves. He does not wind up giving you more than five innings on any given night. Really, the only guy that has really been able to go deep is Joe Musgrove whenever he's got a no-hitter going. And then you've obviously also been able to get a couple other starts from just a wide variety of guys in general. Nelson Lament winds up giving you three innings, I believe it was yesterday. It might have been mm-hmm. four, it but three. they've yeah. been sort of using him as a pseudo-opener. No question, you've been able to get quite a bit of something out of Chris Paddock as well. He's been relatively solid for the team, but despite all the injuries... Despite everything that the Padres have been through, the fact that they've currently got the best record out there in the big leagues, and this is when you have to play against the Dodgers and the Giants in your division. We have to be taking a look at the Padres as being World Series contenders at this point. No, I I definitely agree that they're contenders. I'm still not really sold when you think about how I I just don't trust their management from how they've, for a guy like Denelson Lamette, who they've just hasn't made any sense with how they've handled his usage, and a guy who clearly has. And you see on your screen the current up-to-date World Series odds with the Padres, probably, you know, honestly, a rightful third favorite yep. behind the Dodgers and the Yankees. And But a guy in Lamette who they've really been afraid to do anything with and has dealt with elbow discomfort, not what you want out of a 98-mile-an-hour right-handed pitcher, Who, but at the same time, they just have not put him on the aisle. They've let him just kind of rest and figure it out on the fly. And with the Jace Tingler, I'm not really sold on him as, as a manager either when I watch him. And he's, he's kind of... I don't know. He has a very unique uh, style. I, I still don't think he really has a, the best sense of in-game adjustments. He's he's definitely a player's manager and, and one of the younger managers in the major league. So I'm not sure that I'm gonna. I have a lot of trust in the Padres, even though they're a team that's easy to root for, has a lot of fun players. Uh, once we go down the stretch, and having said that, though, you do have slightly better odds on them. I guess they were around that uh, that at least in some spots. I know in Las Vegas they got a ton of action in the spring, and they were I saw as low as down to six to one in some books before the season. Uh, on those World Series odds. So that's just something to keep in mind with San Diego. I'm not going to have a future on them, Greg, but from a game-to-game standpoint, if it's not Blake Snell, I, they, they are a team that is probably going to be a bet on in a lot of cases uh, if, if you want to make uh, that case. And I agree with you on Blake Snell, too. He's, I believe, going to be going tomorrow. He's issued more than five walks per nine innings. I just have not been impressed by Blake Snell. He obviously winds up having that tremendous start in the World Series, and Everyone winds up having pity for him because rightfully so. He was pulled way too early in that start. But that's just the way that all managers have really managed Blake Snell. They always pull him out before his third time through the rotation. So it was very much par for the course that he wound up getting pulled out of that start a little bit earlier than many people would expect. That's a situation which you've got to be throwing that out the window. But I just don't understand why you wind up having so much value on Blake Snell as compared to someone like, Let's throw out there a Chris Paddock. I mean, Chris Paddock, no question, not necessarily the world's greatest starter. He wound up having a nice start to the 2019 season after that start. He's wound up being an average to slightly above average pitcher. He's been solid for you, but at the same time, I sort of look at Blake Snell in that same vein, and he's got right around a four-ish ERA so far this year. He winds up giving you five innings, and then you turn it over to the Padres' bullpen, which I just alluded to has been nothing short of magnificent this year. Yeah, that's the one example of a guy where we were talking earlier about using the underlying numbers to support your betting, but there are also cases where the eye test just doesn't pass. And for Blake Snell, the numbers would suggest he's been unlucky with an XFIP of only 334, ERA of 450, high BAPIP at 327. But I watched the guy, and I'm like, you're needing 90 pitches to get through five innings every time. Yeah. And that's even, you know, that's kind of a conservative estimate, too. We've seen games where he's 
he's well over 100 pitches in his fifth inning. So I yeah, that's one of those guys where even if even though the numbers suggest he should be better, when you watch him, his approach has not changed, and he's he's clearly not figured out a way to be, be more efficient whatsoever. Uh, so I'm I'm not going to look uh, his direction at least at least personally a lot of times. They did by the way get a clean bottom of the ninth, so they go to the tenth inning. Padres six, and the Astros six after Houston's bullpen blows a six to one lead as they are in the uh, the top of the tenth inning. Astros right now they had to extras minus one thirty five in your live line, uh, plus one hundred five on the other side for the Padres. Game we were talking about earlier, Greg, that we previewed pretty much uh, pretty deeply is this Giants-Dodgers game, and I kind of had an inkling this, this would be a low-scoring affair, and glad I didn't bet it because and I, the reason I did not want to bet it was not sure what we would see out of Logan Webb, his first start out of the IL. He's actually been the more consistent of the two pitchers. Julio Urias has been spanked so far in this one. 5-2 Giants already. Donovan Solano just home, homered to make it 5-2 as we go to the bottom of the third. Dodgers an in-game 2-1 underdog now, and you did like the value on the Giants here as about a plus-170 dog themselves pregame. And I am glad that I wound up not betting that under as well because I thought that there would be runs scored because you just take a look at Julio Urias in general. He's been a solid pitcher this year, but he's actually been pitching worse at home than he has been on the road, which is a very unique anomaly in and of itself because Dodger Stadium, very much pitcher-friendly, especially when you take a look more towards the nighttime. Now, this is more of a mid-afternoon game. You wind up getting more around a four-ish first pitch. So it's going to play a little bit more hitter-friendly at this time of day. But with Urias, none of his last six starts have went under the total, 5-0-1. Oh, and, and then you wind up having Logan Webb on the other side, someone who hasn't pitched in nearly two weeks. I believe that it officially had been 12 days. And you figure that he's probably not going to give you more than five innings. He has... Had one of the two runs they gave up be unearned. There was hurt by a couple of fielding errors. But with that said, right now we're seeing a little bit of higher scoring game. And with the Dodgers in general, you've got to feel like this is a bunch in which there was going to be a little bit of regression with this team because in nine out of their last 12 games, they had given up three runs or fewer. No question, they've got a very good pitching staff. But when you take a look at the bullpen of this team as well, some of the names are a little bit unrecognizable. Kenley Jansen wound up having a little bit of a rough go of it yesterday. By and large, he had been very solid this season up until yesterday, which you don't want to tell many people that because it always feels like whenever he does wind up faltering, it seems to be always in the least opportune of spots. But with the Dodgers, you've got guys like Phil Bickford, Alex Vasilla, these guys out there in the bullpen, and you just sort of knew, man, this is not going to be sustainable the way that the Dodgers have been giving up so few runs. Yeah, I, that's a good point you make, and we'll be interested to see I'm, I, they all, they're a team that always gets underdog support in the market in-game because people are believers in those bats coming alive. They did get Cody Bellinger uh, back tonight, activated off uh, the IL, but no Mookie in the lineup for rest tonight. So we'll see how that plays out. By the way, in the NBA playoffs, the Joel Embiid taunt fest, oh, it's fully underway. It, oh, it's yeah. beautiful to watch. Just had a massive tomahawk jam right before the half. Got an offense, or I should say got a, a rebound and drew a foul on Alex Len with about a second to go. Little flop, maybe a little flop from Embiid, but he is loving it right now, trying to really play things up to the crowd. Washington fans, they're excited, just excited to be back in the playoffs, giving it to him right now. But Embiid, who started slow in this game, Greg, has absolutely exploded in the second quarter. 25 points at halftime for Embiid, seven rebounds. He's had three steals, too, as Philadelphia has opened up a 72 58 lead on Washington. The over. 
is uh, is well on its way. Live total of 242 as we just see a 112 hung for the second half on that uh, total, which does, in fact, correlate to 242. Pick them for a second half, to- uh, second half line, Greg, in a game where Washington was a five-point underdog. Now you're obviously getting 14 for the game. Anything you want here in the second half is it's been a scoring barrage so far. I think that the scoring is going to continue. If I'd be betting anything, I'd be taking a look at the over in the second half because the Wizards, they're going to need to score to get back into this one. And with the Wizards, as they've done all year long, they are not carrying the perimeter. So you've been seeing Joel Embiid being able to get a b- bunch of wide open looks from three. Tobias Harris hasn't necessarily had the world's greatest game, but you know that he's able to stroke it from the outside. The 76ers overall, 9 of 19 from three-point range. And the Wizards, you got to figure that there's going to be some positive progression here. They are currently 4 of 16 from three-point range. Russell Westbrook has been able to get it going a little bit, but the other guys like Rui Hachimura just has not been able to get too many open looks. Six points for him in the first half. You expect a little bit more there, and you just expect a little bit more of the bench in general from the Wizards. So I'd be looking at a live over if I would be looking at anything. Thinking, too, about Embiid's player prop, it was 30 and a half for points. Looking in. good right now. I'd say I'd say you're in pretty pretty good shape. Yeah, it does feel like one of those Washington just trying to outscore a Philadelphia team that it can't really defend. Not exactly a, a great formula, and that's no. why you've seen Washington already down 2 nothing in the series. Philadelphia about to uh, go up 3-0, and keep in mind, for a conference that has Brooklyn as the favorites, and they've been a pretty overwhelming favorite coming in as a, a short minus price on the futures market, really the entire second half of the season. Keep in mind now, though, that Greg, and you think about it, it's three series you got to get through. Bucks have advanced in four, so they will get maximum rest against Brooklyn in round two. Philadelphia, well on their way. Certainly going to, at least seems like they'll go up 3-0 tonight and in position to make it a sweep, so they will have maximum rest before facing a Hawks or Knicks team in and, and a series that that seems destined to go seven games. So the point being, if you're if you're on the anti-Nets train, couldn't have asked for a better start, at least from a playoff management standpoint on the Philadelphia and Milwaukee sides. I agree with you, though. I will say if the Nets series winds up going six or seven, not necessarily the worst thing in the world, because with the Nets, the big three just hasn't played with each other a lot. And if you wind up getting a couple extra games, that is actually going to help out with the chemistry a little bit. They're the one team that... I feel like probably needs to play a little bit of a longer series rather than the Philadelphia 76ers, rather than the Milwaukee Bucks, in which you wind up valuing that rest a little bit more just because if you're a fan of the Brooklyn Nets, if you're the Nets in general, you just want to be able to get these guys all on the same page because you could tell in game one, even though they were able to win that first game, you could tell that they were a little bit disjointed, a little bit discombobulated trying to do their own thing and them being able to just get more reps together in general, I think is going to be good for them moving forward. I, I, I tend to agree with you too. Even it does it sort of go against like, oh, you're not getting the rest, but you're also getting the reps, which in their case is the rare, yeah, uh, yeah you need them. Uh, by the way, end of the first period now in one of the NHL games we have underway, they're about to drop the puck in Boston with the Islanders and Bruins. First game of their round two playoff series squaring off. Right now, nothing, nothing. Maple Leafs and Canadians through one period. And interestingly enough, Greg, the shot advantage, the team you back, the Habs out shooting Toronto 15-9 through a period, but still nothing, nothing in that one. Toronto about a $2 favorite coming in. Right now laying as low as 185 in that spot. So with the live total, three and a half. We're juice to the over minus 125. We're going to get a preview of the Lightning Hurricanes series that starts tomorrow. Another one of those uh, Eastern Conference 
series. Of course, this was the Central Division winners squaring off. We'll talk about that next. Keep you updated on all the other live playoff scores on the other side here on VEASAN Bet Center. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr. And I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. 
And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It is Beach and Vet Center on a Saturday night, tracking all sorts of playoff action in both the NBA and NHL. Back with Greg Peterson. I'm Ben Wilson. Greg, so far, two games in progress, Toronto and Montreal, and now they have dropped the puck. It's about five minutes into Islanders and Bruins. No goal scored so far, so our under, under leans looking pretty good. I will say in it's this early. Islanders very versus early. Bruins game, it is very very early. If you had seen a goal, that would actually be just absolutely cataclysmic considering they're only about four minutes into that one. But with that said, we were mentioning it with this Canadians game and the fact that the Canadians wound up scoring four plus goals for the first time all month in their last game against the Maple Leafs. They certainly have been a little bit of an under team with Price being able to get going at the goaltending position. It certainly has led to a bunch of unders in that series. And then with this Bruins versus Islanders series, I just think that with Barry Trotz being at the helm of the Islanders ever since he took over, this has been a team that has just had a hard-nosed mentality. As we know, the Boston Bruins, they're a team that they are not afraid to get down and dirty as well. I think that this is going to be very much a series that's going to be featuring a lot of games that are like due to one. Mm-hmm. You wind up getting an empty net goal, Three to one. I think that this is going to be one of those just classic grind them out sort of series that I could see going six, perhaps seven games. We will see how that plays out. That's the first of the Easter, or the second round uh, series to get underway. We've already previewed the overall series of Vegas and Colorado. That starts tomorrow. Another series, Greg, that also starts tomorrow. Tampa Bay and Carolina. Carolina finished first this year in the Central. And Tampa Bay, a team that finished third, really struggled down the stretch. Were passed by Florida. Didn't matter because Tampa and that b- battle of the Florida teams came out and uh, really handled the Panthers in that uh, series, able to win in six games, shutting out Florida in game six for nothing. I'm a little bit surprised to see the Lightning as the favorite in this series. Minus 135, the, the Hurricanes about plus 115, depending on where you look. Those numbers uh, I'm looking at at the Westgate. And, and a Hurricanes team that certainly had to uh, grind out that series against Nashville. Maybe my, maybe that's the thought, Greg. It was a, a lot more difficult than I think a lot of people expected against the Nashville team that really underachieved most of the year. Four of those games went to overtime, so you could make the case Carolina was, was fortunate to get out of that series uh, alive. And the final four games in that series all went to overtime here. So are you are you buying the, the, uh, the hot stretch now of Tampa Bay? We've seen this story before. For this this Tampa team and making a deep run, and for John Cooper, of course, you are the defending Cup champion. So it's not just last year, but even going back a couple of years when they made a Cup final before uh, going down to Chicago, and it's it's a team that is seemingly built for the playoffs. Is that enough for you to back uh, this team, who is not as good as Carolina in the regular season, but now getting the public support as a series favorite? I thought that the back half of the season for the Tampa Bay Lightning was a little bit of an anomaly. I just knew that Vasilevsky was going to be able to step up in the postseason. And he did have one really bad game against the Panthers in which I think he gave up either five or six goals. So he did wind up having that little bit of a clunker. But this is a 
Tampa Bay Lightning team that they've got so much firepower. Braden Point had 48 points this year. He was really able to get it done. Sebastian Ayo for the Carolina Panthers. He has been really solid for this team all season long. And with the Tampa Bay Lightning, I just feel like they've got a little bit more depth in general than the Carolina Hurricanes. So I think that that's really going to play into it. You've got such a good pedigree with the Tampa Bay Lightning as well. Now with the Hurricanes having Brindamore at the helm, that has really been able to help out this team. They've got Someone with a whole lot of experience under his belt in big games, no question about it. But I do think that the Lightning are going to be able to thrive in this series. I think that just in general, their defense is a little bit better than that of the Carolina Hurricanes. I just think that they've got more general depth. And I feel like with the Lightning, they just wound up having a bad stretch towards the end of the year. And they picked it up at the correct time. And when they are firing out cylinders, I think it's, them number two in the league. I still got the Avalanche as my number one team personally, but I think that the Lightning should be able to take this one. It's a series as well that I, I don't have a great read on. If anything, I, I'm very tempted to take a Carolina team that was awesome in the regular season as a, a short underdog price for the series. But what I am more confident in, uh, Greg, is the fact that uh, this is probably going to be a very tight back and forth series at Carolina. They, like I said, they, they played four straight overtime games. How much gas will they have in the tank throughout this series? But at BetMGM here in town, you can bet on the exact number of games to be played in a series like this. And, and the favorites are six and seven games. You can bet exactly six games, two to one, exactly seven games at two to one. And the, the five games is plus 275. I, you know, I would, I, I would consider taking a shot at six and seven games because this feels like a, a very long uh, series. And I don't think it's a lightning team that can blow away Carolina, even if I, I don't think you're necessarily wrong about the overall depth for Tampa. I agree with you. And we were talking about unders in so many series. This is the one where I'd be taking a look at some overs. Overs? Been a lot of goals in that previous series. Same deal off the Tampa Bay. We'll update you on the NHL scores that are in progress right now. We'll also take a look ahead to some of the big games on the Diamonds starting later tonight here on VEASAN Bet Center. Any part of our show or anything on the VEASAN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Catch replays of all our shows, including Follow the Money, A Numbers Game, My Guys in the Desert, and Labardi Line with VEASAN Best Bets. Download Beating the Book with Gil Alexander or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got Hardwood Handicappers, Long Shot, Don Racing, and the Ron Flatter Racing Pod. They're all free and available now at VEASAN.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Back to Greg Peterson. I'm Ben Wilson on Beeson Bet Center Saturday night. Take a look at some of the MLB games. We'll look ahead to a couple later games, Greg. See what uh, you've got on your betting card tonight. But right now, man, this uh, this Padre Astro game has been something else. Astros blow a five-run lead in the eighth, give up two in the eighth, and a three-run homer to tie it to Fernando Tatis off of closer Ryan Presley in the ninth. Six-six. Each team scores one in the tenth. Mark Melanson though able to get out of a jam after Carlos Correa. Ties the game with a double. Uh, that was after the Padres had loaded the bases and jerks and Profar grounded into a, a double play that scored a run. So game one end, 7-7, well over the total. And San Diego trying to come back for backers of you, Darvish, who bet them up to about a minus 150 favorite. Did not look promising against the return of Jake Odorizzi off the IL. But uh, yeah, one, 
one of the many games we've seen here, uh, Craig, that not only has has uh, has started slow but then gone over, but also it's also the one of the rare games where usually you see these extra innings games end after ten. I think it was what eighty five percent of games ending after ten, but yep. not to be had here. We're going eleven, and it's the second straight night. We're going 11 with the Astros and the Padres. As yesterday, you wind up having the Padres put up that touchdown in the 11th inning. I don't think that we're necessarily going to see another 7th spot here in the 11th inning from the Padres. But it's going to be really interesting to see who winds up coming out and pitching the 11th for both of these teams. Because with the Astros, Brandon Belock wound up pitching for them yesterday. He wound up pitching the 10th in this game. Mark Melanson for the second straight day wound up stranding a man on third base in the 10th inning. So... Now it's pretty much anyone's guess as to who's going to be pitching the rest of the way for both of these teams. And that is just what makes what makes handicapping these extra inning games so interesting. But you've always got to default to who is the better bullpen in general. That certainly is an edge to the San Diego Padres as it looks like. Ryan Stanek, most famous for being an opener for the Tampa Bay Rays in 2018, is going to be pitching the 11th inning for the Astros. You're holding an Astros ticket right now. You can't be feeling too good about it. He and uh, Sergio Romo, your favorite. Uh, Submergio Romo. Your favorite Rays openers. Yes. Uh, and this, all, as we mentioned earlier, this is the fourth straight extra inning game. The Padres have played in final two in that Brewers series. They split those, and then they, they win uh, that game with a seven-run 11th last night. Uh, so that uh, that game right now deep into, uh, into its extra inning frame, while the Giants and Dodgers... Speaking of overs, this game has already gone over. It's only in the fourth inning. Tough outing for Julio Urias in in this spot for L.A. 7-2 right now. Big plus price on the Giants at plus 175. Looking to make it two straight against the Dodgers after holding on for dear life last night in extra innings themselves. And Urias, it's kind of uh, surprising to see him. Greg struggled at least to this degree. weren't expecting uh, weren't expecting that out of Urias. At least at least I wasn't. But six earned in four innings on eleven hits for Urias so far. Could not afford a short start. They used six pitchers last night, but Dave Roberts uh, probably with no choice here to to uh, pull him pretty soon. Yeah, I agree with you. The fact that Urias has worn it the way that he has at this point, the Dodgers should be very satisfied about that. You don't you didn't think that Urias was going to be given up quite this much, but now in Urias's last seven starts, he over 6-0-1 because this start is already went over. Unless if you wind up getting rain that winds up calling this game early, you're going to wind up cashing your over tickets. And when it comes to the Giants, I just feel like betters in general are not giving this team the respect that they deserve because everyone still thinks, oh, it's the San Francisco Giants from a couple years ago. This is a team that is not necessarily very good, but the addition for lack of a better term, a Buster Posey after he wound up not playing last season has been massive, not just in the lineup because he is the only guy in the lineup hitting above a 275 for this bunch right now. And I don't think that other than Evan Longoria, you've got any other player that has seen an at-bat in this game with above a 333 on base. Buster Posey more around a 420, but not only is he doing it with the bat, you can tell that he has had such a massive impact with the pitching staff in general because the big bugaboo and the reason why the San Francisco Giants wound up not making the postseason last year is because they had so many late blow-ups at the bullpen. These starters really outside of Kevin Gosman didn't have a lot of consistency. The Giants, when it comes to starters ERA coming into the week, 
number one in the big leagues overall in the ERA. They are a top five team. They've done it home and road. And I just think that Buster Posey has made an immense amount of difference for a Giants team that they took some strides forward last year. Yeah, no, I'm certainly with you. I've been impressed. I don't think they're a team that's just going to completely fade. Hard to see them maintain this level of success, but I, no, I, I still am uh, I'm with you there. Uh, let's look ahead as well, Greg, to a couple of the games tonight. Uh, one game in the NL. Get your thoughts on here. Cardinals and Diamondbacks, as we'll get a chance to see Adam Wainwright trying to uh, continue. It's been an overall pretty pretty promising bounce back year for Wainwright after a couple of really tough outings to start a season against the journeyman Seth Frankoff for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Interestingly, KBO legend. Yeah, I've, I you know what? I saw the little little uh, symbols there. Right? Symbolizing pitch in the KBO. I'm like, oh, Greg has to know this guy's whole uh, his whole life story. But interestingly, <laughs> here's some money. He's come in a little bit on the home team, the Diamondbacks. They are a plus uh, as high as a plus 132 underdog to on the dime line at least. St. Louis at minus 142. But with the expected struggles of Frankoff assumed here, you have a very high total, highest of the day, total of 10. Little juice to the under as high as minus uh, 120 here. I think that this is a little bit too high. I do think that Seth Frankoff, after his first two appearances, a combined eight and two-thirds innings, rocking a 7.27 ERA, he's going to be able to find it a little bit more with the St. Louis Cardinals. This is a bunch that they've been able to do a relatively solid job with the lineup. Tommy, Edmund, Dylan, Carlson have a good table setters for the team, but for the Ears and the Diamondbacks, they're right now in a little bit of transition because for much of the year, they've had to perform without Carson Kelly along with Ketel Marte. Marte has come back, and Kelly has as well. He's going to be getting the day off tonight, so that's going to be hurting the lineup a little bit. But what you want to be taking a look at with the St. Louis Cardinals is got to expect a lot out of the bullpen in this one because with Adam Wainwright, very demonstrative home and road splits. He's got an ERA hovering right around 2 5 2 6 at home. His ERA on the road north of eight. Now, I attribute that a little bit to the competition, and this is an Arizona team that they have cooled off with the bats, but certainly something that I'm going to be taking a look at with the Arizona Diamondbacks. A little bit surprised that they wound up getting money in this spot, but Mm -hmm. I do think that this total set a little bit too high because I think that the Cardinals bullpen will be able to stabilize. St. Louis had to go pretty deep in the bullpen last night in the crazy 8-6 win over Arizona, looking to make it three in a row in that four-game set. As uh, Nolan Arenado, by the way, 11 homers, 35 RBI already. Hitting 290. Not, not a bad acquisition. Yeah. As a Brewer fan, lifelong you know, struggling Brewer fan, not not much you want to see. Uh, anyway, we have one other game to preview as well on our night slate. Don't know score in any of our NHL playoff games. We'll update you, though, on what's happening in the NBA. Look ahead to the nightcap in the association right after this here on VSIN. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests we are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. 
Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Less is more. That's why they have powerful tools to help you source, screen, and hire quality people faster. Learn more at Indeed.com slash credit. It is our final segment. That was gone fast, Greg. Final segment here on VEASAN Bet Center with Greg Peterson. I'm Ben Wilson from our Circus Sports Studios. We have a goal. Finally, two games in the NHL playoffs. One, Toronto and Montreal. Still scoreless. Six minutes into the second period in a game where Toronto... About a $2 favorite to close out that series in six games. Meanwhile, in the second round, game one, it's the Islanders, Greg, who strike first as a uh, similarly priced underdog, almost a 
plus, I should say Boston, had seen a little money come in on to New York. So right now you're getting a look at the live lines with the Islanders a slight favorite after going off in, uh, in this spot, particularly as a plus 165 dog. That was the highest number there, Boston at minus 185. But uh, how about how about the Isles striking first, Greg, in what's been a very chippy affair? We've already seen a number of uh, penalties called so far, and that was how the Islanders scored. They get an Anthony Beauvillier goal after Boston had to take a penalty. One zip uh, nearing the end of the first period here. Been very impressed by the Islanders. They played a very solid first period. They're not afraid to be able to just get some good quality checks in there as well. So I do like what I'm seeing out of the Islanders. And right now you're seeing the live total at five with the juice right around minus 105-ish on the under. And I think that that's pretty solid. I think that we're going to be seeing a lot of lower scoring games in this series. I like the way that the Islanders play in general with regards to the defense. Both of these teams have done a good job throughout the season of being able to utilize multiple goalies. So I do think that that has both of these goaltenders a little bit more well-rested than a lot of the other teams are in a silver spot. So I think that we're going to see a lot of low-scoring games in this series. And the five right now in-game is something that I would like under. And that's basically where things closed at. So even with with the goal, clearly just based on the, the run of play so far, I think that is what you, what you say. It makes sense that the numbers stayed that way. And I also would, as somebody who kind of leaned to the under to begin with, I would like that play as well. We've, uh, we've sort of been the, the bad luck charm for these close NBA playoff <laughs> games, Greg, as we walked into the studio and watched Portland absolutely demolish Denver to start off our show in a game that was a 20-point blowout. And we're seeing another 20-point blowout in progress right now. Philadelphia all over Washington in Game 3 of that series with the Sixers about to go up 3-0, 95-75. Joel Embiid, 34 points. I'm not sure if he has that many taunts tonight uh, <laughs> of the Washington crowd, but it's been enough to... Uh, really get him to give his team a boost and all five starters into double figures now really running away with this in a game where Washington got a lot of support from five and a half down to five the total though is going to cash with ease that was 229 and a half and we are already at 170 points midway through the third quarter here the only good thing is if you want to backing the Wizards in some form or capacity hopefully the way you back the Wizards was via player props of Russell Westbrook because 20 points Eight rebounds, nine assists. He's well on his way to a triple-double, but something I was talking about a little bit earlier. A lot of times when Russell Westbrook winds up getting a triple-double, it's a very hollow triple-double and that nobody else is doing much of anything for this team. It's not expected that you're going to be able to get a lot out of Bertrands or anything like that, but he's had a relatively pedestrian game. One mm-hmm. of five from three-point yeah. range. Bradley Beal has been a little bit off his game. Seven of 18 from the floor. You've really gotten nothing out of the bench outside of Daniel Gafford, who has actually been a very solid pickup for this team. But for the Wizards, it's really been Russell Westbrook trying to create something on his own and then really not a lot else. And it's just not working when you're trying to play one-on-five in this spot against a team as good as the 76ers. Yeah, it's, uh, the mismatch has only been made clearer as the series has gone on. And so uh, this one will be a relative no-sweater if you ended up waiting, laying the five with Philadelphia. They will have covered two of the three games so far in this series. Let's turn our attention as well to the nightcap in the NBA. Very intriguing game three that will start in about to 40 minutes. We'll be done, so let's give our thoughts right now, yeah. Greg. That's Memphis and Utah. The 1-8 matchup in the West, so we've seen one 1-8 matchup be really uh, completely one-sided and not not that competitive whatsoever. However, this matchup has been very tight throughout. After the Grizzlies stole game one with no Donovan Mitchell for Utah. Mitchell, though, with 25 points and a very balanced effort for Utah. They're able 
to win a shootout in game two, 141-129. And seeing now, Greg, a spot where Utah on the road, favored by either five or five and a half, a little lower total, 223.5 to 224.5 compared to what we've we've seen throughout these playoffs. Was this as simple to you, Greg, as a, a one-game blip for Utah without uh, a fully healthy Mitchell, and you feel like they're ready to roll now in this series? Or does Memphis have some uh, value here as a home dog? I think that Memphis has a value here for the series. I don't know if the five and a half would be enough for me to be able to take Memphis in this spot just because with the Grizzlies, I just think that you need to be getting more like a at minimum six, even a six and a half in this spot. If I were to be taking a look at something, I would hope that the Grizzlies maybe get down like eight points in the first quarter, even early second quarter, look at something in-game, be able to get a couple more points in this spot because the Jazz are a team that they're able to go off at any moment. But with that, the Jazz also do have sometimes their deficiencies and sometimes inconsistencies as well. And with Donovan Mitchell, with how long he's been out, I want to see him be able to put back-to-back good games together because he was tremendous in game two. No question about it. He was able to come out and he was able to put up 25 points to your point. But prior to that, his last game had been on April 16th. So you sort of wonder how, when you're dealing with an injury like Donovan Mitchell is, is he going to perform the next game? Because guys are always going to be amped up first time back out there in quite a while. You can tell that he wasn't necessarily feeling a lot of He wasn't feeling a lot of just the effects of the injury in general, but I do want to see him be able to put back-to-back good performances together before I really go in on the Jazz. Right, and even though the series price updated now, Jazz minus 650, so still overwhelming favorites to win the series. It makes sense. Memphis just is not deep enough, even though I think really my biggest takeaway from this series on the Memphis perspective is John Moran has proven that he is he's ready to, to move into the echelon of of elite NBA superstars able to lead a team. It's just a matter of what other, what help can he get you know, next to him in coming seasons for Taylor Jenkins? Can that Memphis team in what's always and has been a, a loaded Western Conference, can they move up and, and avoid being in these 7, 8, 9 as, as they've been the last two years in the play-in tournament spots where you end up seeing a, a top seed in the first round? John Moran, it's interesting to look at his player prop, though, coming in. He's He's been a guy who's been on fire into the into the final week of the regular season and the playoff tournament with that 35 he threw up against Golden State. Throws up 26 in Game 1, goes off for 47 in Game 2. I wonder what you think of just his mentality. A lot was made about just the really ugly scenes where his family was in the stands. He didn't call it. There was racist language thrown out, apparently, what, what the family said. Just awful to, that they would have to deal with that. But Morant was sort of talking to the media the other day saying how Look, even my own dad would hate on me when I was a kid and, and doubt me. So I'm used to people, uh, you know, people trash talking me and not believing in my talent. Well, he puts up 47 in that loss. His player prop here set at a 24 and a half with juice to the over. I'm a little surprised to see it that low. To be to be totally honest with you, given how little they've gotten, even though you know Dylan Brooks is is provided you know spark at times and Valanciunas has been solid. But look, if there's a guy we all we know he already plays with the chip on his shoulder to begin with. You're coming off an extremely personal and, and deeply upsetting situation that happened to his family in Utah. And he's already a guy who's playing as good as he's played all season. To me, this seems like a spot where he, I, I think he's going to carry them as much as he can. And 24 and a half seems a little light to me. Yeah, and we've heard many athletes wind up going to Utah and having similar stories to what wound up happening with Morant. So obviously that's something that you don't want to be touching upon but with that said when you take a look at this Memphis Grizzlies team I think that the big key for this team Jaron Jackson Jr. because he was able to have actually 16 points in that loss 
for Memphis in game two, and I think that he could be a little bit of a difference maker. I think that he needs to do a little bit more with being able to pound the glass. He hasn't necessarily done a lot with being able to facilitate, but when he winds up getting open looks, he's able to be a little bit of a difference maker for the Memphis Grizzlies as well, and can someone come off the Memphis Grizzlies bench and give this team a little bit of something? Desmond Bain, Grayson Allen, these guys were just completely invisible. Xavier Tillman, I think only wound up having seven, eight minutes. It was a single-digit amount of minutes they wound up having in game two, and he's someone that has actually been very good for the Grizzlies. I think that that's really the key for them moving forward because John Morant is going to do what he's able to do. The Utah Jazz, they certainly do have more shooters overall, but I do think that Jonas Valanciunas is going to be able to do a decent job on Rudy Gobert. I don't think that he's going to be able to win that battle, but I think that he can play relatively close to even up, and then the key from there is just being able to get some of these guys off the bench of the Grizzlies to be able to come in and have a good performance. We'll be very interested to see in that swing series, Game 3. I, I, you know, I wouldn't be so done if Memphis took one of those games. I don't think they win the series, but I, I do think they could make this a a six-game uh, series against the Utah team that I don't think anybody feels is like a true uh, number one seed this year. By the way, Greg, seems like every time you and I are on the set, there's a ridiculous one ridiculous MLB game that just refuses <laughs> to end no matter what time you and I are on, and we are seeing that again today. San Diego and Houston, we've been, we've been intermittently updating you on this game throughout the show. It was 6-1 Houston. Their bullpen blew a five-run lead in the eighth and ninth innings. 6-6. Each team scores one run in the tenth inning. San Diego gets a Manny Machado RBI single to start the 11th inning, 8-7. However, San Diego, this is their fourth straight extra inning game. Pitching, as you would imagine, in that, in that particular spot, uh, not extremely deep, even though as a whole they have a very deep bullpen. Forced to go to Austin Adams, who has been a very seldomly used guy in the, in the bullpen, and, uh, and unfortunately comes out, and, well, he basically, uh, they, they, do, they go with the sack, Sacrifice bunt to start things out, but he ends up after a getting a one out fly out to wait one out fly out to Jose Altuve. He had two outs, runner on third, one run game. Goes walk, 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 uh. and it's eight eight. It is eight eight. Bottom of the eleventh. There you see the Astros by by virtue here of uh, of having a situation with Kyle Tucker at the plate and a chance uh, to win the game right now. First and second. Two outs, minus 150 on the live line. Great way to end the show, right, Greg? And if Adams is able to get out of this, who knows who's going to be coming out in the 12th for either team. Get on a flight to Houston really quick, uh, Greg. You might be called upon in a couple hours' time. Uh, It's been a blast hanging out with all of you and tracking all the NBA and NHL playoff action. Good luck with the bets the rest of your weekend. And, of course, we'll be back with you tomorrow. Same time, same place here on VEASAN Bet Center. Jack Towers will join Greg Peterson and I tomorrow. For Greg, I'm Ben. Saying so long. This has been another episode of VEASAN Bet Center. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.